Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to yet another bonus episode of the Asian Madness podcast. I was debating on whether to use this as my Patreon episode or a regular bonus episode, but in the end, I decided to use another Japanese case. If you're a Patreon supporter, go check out some of the extra content there if you haven't already done so. This week's bonus episode is again brought to you by my coworker Casey. She is strangely supportive of me and of my podcast in general, and it really is quite flattering. So in case you're listening to this, thank you, Casey. This case happened in Sydney, Australia, where Casey was studying from 2015 to 2017. This is the story of Michelle Lang, a Chinese woman who was studying and living in Sydney. She had moved from the city of Chengdu in Sichuan Province, China, to Sydney in 2011 to pursue a degree in business and economics at the University of Technology, Sydney. During her years in Sydney, she was living with her aunt and her aunt's family. Here are the details that surround Michelle's disappearance and murder. Michelle was studying at the University of Technology, Sydney. She was living in Campsie, an area located around 20 to 30 minutes away from her school. Michelle was an only daughter, and her mother supported her daughter's dream to study abroad. Her father had previously passed away in a major earthquake that hit China and destroyed Sichuan in the year 2008. Around 69,000 people died as a result of that earthquake. Michelle left China in the year 2011, moving to Sydney to live with her aunt and her cousin. In the year 2012, her aunt married her then-boyfriend, a man by the name Derek Barrett. Despite becoming Michelle's uncle, Derek was actually only two years older than Michelle. Michelle's aunt was definitely older, around 40 years old, so this was Michelle's new family in Sydney. Her aunt, her uncle, Derek, and her cousin. This is what went down in April of 2016. April 21st. The last real sighting of Michelle by her friends was the sight of her leaving school and waiting at the bus stop. She then took a bus to Sydney's CBD, to a shopping mall called Meyer. After her shopping spree, she took the train back home and got off at Campsy Station. She arrived at around 4.30 in the afternoon. This would be the last CCTV sighting of Michelle. She would not be seen or heard from until a few days later, on April 24th except by that time she was no longer alive. Her body was discovered by some tourists on the central coast, at a location called Snapper Point, a remote area located in New South Wales. Her body was floating face-up and naked in the water. So, what happened to Michelle? Who could have done this to her? As soon as the tourists saw her lifeless body floating in the water, they called the police. The police did their work and were not sure who Michelle was. 
They came up with a facial reconstruction and sketch of her and began distributing photos all around, hoping to find a lead. The deceased woman was said to be of Asian descent, approximately 20 to 35 years of age, around 170 centimeters tall, which would be about 5 feet and 6 inches for you non-metric Americans. The police did their job investigating, and the body was finally confirmed on April 29th to be that of Michelle Lang, age 25. The investigation eventually led the police back to Michelle's house in Campsey, and her uncle Derek Barrett was immediately arrested for murder. Let's now go back to April 21st and retrace Michelle's final moments and find out what happened to her. Like I said earlier, Michelle arrived at Campsey at around 4.30 in the afternoon, and she was never seen alive again. She made it home safe, had a normal afternoon and evening. Michelle's aunt was away at Wollongong for work that weekend, and her cousin was not home. It was just her and her uncle Derek. Okay, side note. Derek was an unemployed IT guy, so he was probably home a lot. Things took a dark turn at around midnight. Michelle was said to have been in her room browsing on social media. Michelle's last online presence was around the early morning hours of the 22nd, around 1 a.m. This was around the same time when Derek barged into her room, threatening her with a knife. He had her tied, bound, and gagged. He stripped her naked. He took degrading and up-close photos of her. He videotaped her, gagged, pleading, and scared. Once Derek had satisfied his sick fantasy, he knew what had to be done. This was a family member, not a stranger. This is someone who could point him out in a lineup, someone he lived with. So he stabbed Michelle 30 to 40 times and finally slit her throat. During this assault, Michelle's cousin arrived home, but is unaware of the nightmare that is going on upstairs in her cousin's bedroom. I cannot say for sure what stage the assault was at when the cousin returned, but she was never suspicious. According to the cousin, Derek spent about three hours locked in the bathroom. He even told her not to come in and to use the other bathroom as this one was malfunctioning. Looking back, she must have a lot of mixed emotions in regards to this situation. This is just my assumption, though. She might have felt that if she knew what was happening, she might have been able to save Michelle at some point. But at the same time, she is also very lucky to not have found out what was going on. For all we know, she could have met the same exact fate. Pretty terrifying. Derek spent the entire Friday and Saturday thinking about what to do with Michelle's body. He definitely had not thought it through before acting on his fantasy. But he had to do something soon. His wife, Michelle's aunt, was returning home the following day on Sunday, so he did what he thought was the best thought-out plan. Early Sunday morning, he drove about three hours to Snapper Point and proceeded to dump her body in the water. Snapper Point is a tourist area, a national park. There were cameras, but I suppose he wasn't aware of that. The cameras would be one of the most damning evidence, as they captured shots of Derek's car pulling in and out of the parking lot early that morning. After he did the deed, he took a couple more photos of his doings and drove off. 
His wife returned home from her business trip that afternoon, and she realized that her niece was missing. Derek accompanied his wife to the police to report their niece missing. What a gross human being. I wonder what was going on through his head when he was making that missing persons report. At this time, people all over Weibo, the most popular Chinese social media platform, were looking for Michelle. There was even a hashtag trending concerning Michelle's disappearance. People were asking and sharing posts, hoping to hear back from her. So that is the backstory of Michelle's death. Pretty disgusting. Once Derek was arrested, the truth came out of him. Here are the facts and reasonings behind his actions. To put it simply, Derek was obsessed with his niece, Michelle. Makes you wonder if this was part of the reason as to why he married her aunt, so he could be close to Michelle. But I'm pretty sure he's just a perverted POS. But Jessica, define obsessed. What do you mean he was obsessed with her? Well, for one thing, he set up secret cameras filming her in the bathroom. He was not just gross, but he was freaking sneaky. He set up tiny cameras behind the toiletries in the bathroom. He made sure the cameras were set at a good angle, exactly the spot where one usually takes off their clothes before jumping in the shower. So that is one example. Here is another one if you think that's not bad enough and you need more convincing. He would sneak into his niece's bedroom at night when she was asleep. No, he didn't just stand around and watch her sleep like a normal creep. He filmed her while he masturbated over her. Clearly, he had a fantasy that involved Michelle, but acting on it was a whole different story. After Derek was arrested, he gave police three different versions of what happened. His story was inconsistent and flaky. Derek admitted that he was very attracted to Michelle because she was so beautiful and admitted to having sexual fantasies involving her. He also admitted to the murder and a lot of compromising videos and photos were discovered on his phone. Clearly, there was no getting out of this. So, what do people do when they can't get out of these kind of things? He claimed that he was on drugs when it happened, so he had no memory of what happened. In other words, he had lost his memory and by the time he came to, he was already covered in blood. No, just... No. Derek was evaluated by a psychiatrist and the result was just as you would expect. Derek was diagnosed as a sexual deviant with sadistic fantasies. His memory loss claim was thrown out as it was determined that all his actions were done with purpose. He wasn't fooling anyone. Michelle's mother arrived in Sydney after hearing the news. As expected, she was devastated. She had already lost her husband a few years back, and now she lost her daughter in the worst possible way. Michelle's aunt was also guilt-ridden, as this was the man she had married. She said that maybe if she hadn't gone on that business trip, none of this would have happened. Probably true, but with someone like Derek around, it was bound to happen at some point. Derek pleaded guilty to Michelle's murder on August 16, 2017. He was also found guilty for secretly filming his stepdaughter for sexual gratification. Maybe it was just a matter of time before he made a move on his stepdaughter. 
he was sentenced to 46 years in prison. I cannot really tell whether or not he's remorseful or not, although he has made statements about regret and all that. The truth is, most people probably don't regret their actions. They regret doing it because they were caught. My coworker Casey was a student at the University of Sydney when this case was unfolding. The University of Sydney and uh, UTS, Michelle's school, are right next to each other. Casey said that there were flyers all over the area warning students to be careful. She even walked another girl home late one evening because that girl felt unsafe walking alone. Another thing to note, a lot of Asian students had been targeted of robberies and such crimes around that time. So when a girl like Michelle ended up disappearing, people thought it was kidnap, but it just turned out to be something completely different. One Chinese exchange student studying at the University of Sydney was robbed and in the process, the perpetrator broke her arm. Another student was walking through a park near the university grounds when he was attacked and robbed. He was beaten quite severely. My coworker once ran into a guy at the University of Sydney asking her for a change to take the bus. She decided to be a good citizen and took out her wallet to get some change. But as soon as she did that, he snatched her wallet and ran off. That was her first week in Sydney. Pretty disheartening, but at least she wasn't hurt. I myself was pickpocketed last year in Chicago, but at least there was no real confrontation. I can go on and on with these kind of examples, but you get my point. I was planning a trip to Australia later this year, but all this is sort of scaring me. Okay, I'm totally kidding. I love my Australian friends and I'm really looking forward to visiting. In the end, it really doesn't matter where you are or who you are. Everyone has to be mindful of their surroundings. You really never know what might happen anyway. <laughs>